Welcome to the Property Voice Podcast, helping you to navigate safely through the world of property investing. Get the lowdown and updates, insights and outcomes on all matters property with a splash of entertainment along the way. The Property Voice, a voice to trust among the crowd. Now, let's get started with your host, Richard Brown. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Property Voice podcast. My name is Richard Brown and as always it's a pleasure to have you join me again on the show today. Well first we had the internet, then the mobile internet and the next big wave in technological platform transformation could well be blockchain technology. Whilst many people will associate blockchain with cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin in particular, It is far more versatile and sophisticated than merely offering an electronic currency trading platform. And today we shall dig a little deeper behind the alpha and beta test and use cases of blockchain technology to see how and where it could be used in property. And if you're any kind of middleman operating in or related to the property sector, you might want to pay close attention or run and hide as you wish. Okay, so let's get on with this week's featured topic with Property Chatter. Well, last time out, we heard about blockchain technology from Jacob at BrickBlock, if you remember. And Jacob described blockchain as a big database recording transactions, which is pretty much the simplest explanation that I've heard so far. But what exactly is the blockchain? So building on Jacob's explanation, the blockchain can be described as a decentralized ledger that records transactions. And that's what he meant by a big database. However, because the blockchain is also essentially a computer program, that means it can be coded using a computer language. And because it can be coded, it can be programmed to execute actions based on certain rules and conditions using the if-then type of logic. And here's a couple of simple examples to illustrate the point. If the price of a barrel of oil falls below $50, then buy 10,000 barrels. Alternatively, if a short-stay guest has deposited funds of £1,000 into our bank account, then give them the door access code to our apartment. Or maybe to add a little bit more complexity, if the online auction deadline has passed and the maximum bid exceeds the reserve price, then execute the sale of the property to the highest bidder. It is this type of logic that enables what is known as a smart contract, which is a digital record of a transaction that is executed automatically based on certain rules and conditions being met. In most blockchains, whilst there are some private ledgers, many are what are known as public ledgers, which display certain details of all current and historical transactions through the ledger publicly. The use of cryptography can help to protect certain sensitive information from being made public by masking it in hard, if not impossible, to decipher code. And the notion of smart contracts was attributed to Nick Zabo back in 1994. Nick Zabo and 
possibly more famously, Satoshi Nakamoto were so-called cryptographers that were founders of cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin. Bitcoin at the simplest level is a record of transactions or a transfer of digital currency from one party to another using the blockchain. And it's just one of the first practical applications of blockchain technology. And as Jacob explained last time, further applications of the technology are still in alpha and beta mode, or in other words, still in early trials or among the first use applications and rollout of this technology. However, at the time of recording this podcast, here are just some of those uh, early use applications of blockchain technology that are relevant to property. First of all, under the heading of cryptocurrency-enabled payments. Back in 2004, Kai Capital were identified as the first company rather, to facilitate the sale of a property priced in Bitcoin. In 2017, a Dubai developer called the Knox Group of companies announced they would accept payment for an off-plan apartment in Dubai in Bitcoin. In late 2017, a UK developer called Go Homes claimed to have been the first globally to actually sell a home using cryptocurrency and having the information recorded on land registry with cryptocurrency or Bitcoin in this particular case as the price paid. So if it wasn't the first globally to transact, they, they were probably the first in the UK or Europe at least. But also last year, a housing provider called The Collective announced they would accept rent payments in Bitcoin too. And these are all examples of using blockchain technology in the form of cryptocurrency or payments. Which is not that surprising given the fact that digital currency is one of the first real applications of blockchain technology. But there are other use examples that we can cite as well. You better believe there are. So, for example, property exchange platforms. A platform called Click to Purchase, for example, say they have executed over £200 million of property transactions across their blockchain-enabled online property exchange platform. And this sort of platform allows sellers to have speed and certainty in their sales. Um, transactions rather between verified and trusted parties using electronic signatures with the information recorded on a transparent record or blockchain. Next we've got property trading and fundraising platforms. So BrickBlock as we previously uh, established when Jacob was with us last time but equally Harbour, TrustMe and the PyLabs backed PropCoin are all examples of blockchain trading platforms that allow an asset-backed token, including property, to be traded. And this opens the concept of fractional ownership of substantial size property transactions to the masses using asset-backed digital tokens underpinned by property and other assets. It's also an alternative fundraising medium and a secondary resale market of part shares in a property asset. So imagine raising money for your next property development from multiple micro-investors located all across the world. Alternatively, investing yourself as little as, say, £1,000 in a part share of a shopping centre, just to get the point. The next heading is rental listing and management platforms. And Rentberry 
is a US company that offers long-term rental listings and transactions built on blockchain technology. And this allows a bidding and execution process of rental properties to be executed based on smart contract enabled conditions. Interestingly, there are still property viewings or open days, which probably highlights how this technology might evolve as a hybrid between online and offline interactions, which could help to build trust with the technology. Then we have land registry. Cook County, uh, Chicago, along with a startup called Velox RE, devised a, a pilot program in 2016 to record real estate transactions using blockchain technology for land registry records. And since then, many other states in the US and countries worldwide have followed suit with their own land registry uh, record tests. Other areas of property and uh, related industries right for blockchain technology, uh, I'm going to list a few of them now if you like. So for example, insurance is another one. Blockchain technology can help to streamline a few aspects of the insurance sector, such as client verification, underwriting and claims processing. Then in the legal sector, if you think about it, conveyancing is essentially an exchange of information related to a specific property from a seller to the buyer. And of course, all of this could be stored on a decentralized database and be accessed, transferred and altered in a matter of seconds through the blockchain rather than a couple of months on average, as is currently the case following the normal conveyancing process. And of course, we heard last time out about notaries as well from Jacob, but notaries are not a big part of the UK process, so I'm not, not really going to dwell on that. Then property finance. What is property finance, if not a series of rules and conditions? I mean, sure, we might joke about the computer says no, but essentially that's how many financial underwriting systems process loans today. Now, if all conditions can be programmed and checked, then a loan or mortgage could be automatically approved, executed within seconds using a smart contract on the blockchain. Of course, then it would just leave those that require a human eye only to be referred up for a more in-depth review. Then the next area is government compliance and public or personal records. So how about all those right to rent checks becoming automated in the blockchain then? Yep, it could be, act it could be achieved when uh, identity information is stored on a blockchain, for example. Or how about credit information and histories stored in one central repository for, repository rather, for instant access rather than uh, multiple credit agencies and of course at a cost. The next area I kind of wanted to speak about was uh, combining technologies to bring enhanced capabilities. So we've got the blockchain itself, but if we combine it, for example, with the Internet of Things, we can imagine devices automatically populating the blockchain with information that can then be recorded and acted upon. Maybe taking this a step further by combining this with artificial intelligence, then imagine using AI to execute actions based on the information stored on the blockchain, perhaps updated by the Internet of Things. And this is, in a sense, uh, what a smart contract does already. So what I'm imagining is another layer of sophistication over and beyond the simple rules-based smart contract, which is already a giant leap forward. So, for example, how would you like to uh, be able to pick the next property hotspot down to street-level granularity? 
Well, it could all be feasible using the blockchain and artificial intelligence. So what are the main pros and cons of blockchain technology then? Let's start with the pros. Well, the first one is speed, really. And, and uh, how does 15 seconds to process a transaction sound? Well, if you've ever tried to send crypto across certain platforms, that 15 second transfer speed does not always bear out in reality. And that can be a problem, certainly with certain more instant transaction requirements, for example. But 15 seconds when you look at a convincing process or a mortgage sounds extremely quick, doesn't it? Cost savings through disintermediation. In other words, cutting out the middleman and or eliminating inefficiency leads to reduced fees and processing times, which of course saves money. Open, transparent and accurate. A distributed ledger is a public record of all transactions and can be viewed with multiple validations being required to verify the accuracy of and then make changes to that information. So therefore it's open and transparent. Automation. Rules and conditions mean transactions and contracts can be automatically executed, which provides certainty and, of course, process efficiency. What about some of the disadvantages or cons then? Well, trust is the first one I've got written down, and it really should be a positive, actually, but it's not at the moment. And the idea of a decentralized store of private information does need better explanation. It's not the same as our private details being made public, as only certain information would be shared that way due to the cryptography behind the blockchain. But still, in these data privacy um, conscious days, we need to ensure that our personal data and private information is stored safely and securely. And at the same time, new tech opens up new ways for fraudsters and criminals to scam innocent and naive consumers. Ownership. Everyone owns a blockchain, and yet nobody does. It's really hard to say. So who will foot the bill, for example, and take control for developing a decentralized system? Energy usage. Well, we've seen with cryptocurrencies that a lot of electricity needs to be used in order to continually validate the ledger and mine new coins. Is this sustainable and necessary with the wider blockchain? Well, thankfully, not as much. However, somewhat linked to this is the fact that blocks get repeated across the blockchain by several parties, which is a kind of duplication of activity, data, and therefore workload, and therefore leads to higher energy use. Resistance. The status quo might not want to be replaced, or they may feel threatened by the blockchain. And this includes the banks and governments alike. But resistance can also come from the general public in terms of low adoption as well. Again, using a crypto example, if you have ever tried to get your head around how the trading platforms and storage wallets store your cryptocurrency, then you'll have seen that it's not exactly simple to understand and, uh, and indeed to operate. And that will need to change before it receives my mainstream approval and adoption. Many of the people that I've spoken to or heard from during this series have recognized blockchain for its potential, but have also been quick to point out that it is a long way from being an everyday technology ready to change the world in the very short term. 
In fact, most commentators are suggesting the biggest changes will come in the period of five to 10 years from now. So it's still a way off being mainstream. That said, I wouldn't be surprised if it suddenly took off sooner rather than later. And I personally believe that blockchain is capable of being as big as the internet, if we get it right. And if it does take root, it has massive potential to improve our property investing and developing activities, our general workplace or business activities, as well as our personal or home lives as well. And it might just be a slow burn though, so let's just see how this unfolds. But I wanted to leave it at that for now in terms of a, a summary and wrap up of blockchain technology. Hopefully that's been uh, interesting and useful to you. And my thanks go to Jacob again last week who set the scene for this. But as you might have gathered, we're, we're starting to draw this uh, PropTech series to a bit of a close now. And so the next couple of episodes will allow us to look ahead a little and maybe to speculate, along with drawing some conclusions from the here and now and potential of, block, uh, sorry, of PropTech as a whole. So do stay tuned for the next couple of weeks to see how uh, to see it through with me, won't you? <laughs> but in the meantime, the show notes can be found over at the website, thepropertyvoice.net, or if you want to talk about anything from today's show, receive an intro to one of my guests, or just talk property investing, generally speaking. You know you can email me, podcast at thepropertyvoice.net, and I'd be more than happy to hear from you. But once again, all I want to say is thank you very much for listening again this time, and until next week, on the Property Voice podcast, it's Ciao Ciao. Thank you for listening today. Now head over to thepropertyvoice.net for more inspirational content and get updates through our mailing list. Join us next time on the Property Voice podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes.